Welcome back to episode 27 with Waking Up With Mel. And today we are going to wake up a little bit more about our father Abraham in the Bible. He is such an important figure and there are so many questions I had and still have, but a lot of them were answered when I read the book of Jasher. Let's talk about this. I mentioned the book of Jasher in my podcast with Nimrod because this book changed my life and I feel like it put a huge piece of the Old Testament together for me and I would like to do that for you too. And the other day I was listening to a prophet I like to listen to and she was mentioning um, Abraham and Isaac and I questioned if she's ever even read the book of Jasher because it tells you the whole story. It's not like Isaac went up to the mountain the day that Abraham was going to sacrifice him unknowing. It wasn't like he was like, oh, I don't know what my dad's going to do. And then his dad, like, all of a sudden tied him up and put him on this thing. And he's like, what are you doing, dad? It wasn't like that at all. So let's read what happened. Okay, so if I'm first going to just read you what Genesis tells us about this incident. And then we're going to fill in the pieces with the book of Joshua. So um, this is going to be in Genesis um, 22. And mind you, this mountain that... Abraham and Isaac go to is uh, the same exact mountain that Jesus died on. So it's kind of cool how God uses places. And he's God is so cool. Once you get to learn God, you learn that he has the most divine, awesome timing, everything significant that he does. There's nothing that doesn't matter to God. He dots every I and crosses every T. It is amazing to me. So here we go. It says, now it came to pass that after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, saw the place far off. Then Abraham said to young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go wander and worship and we will come back to you. Now I want to pause there. Did you notice he wasn't worried, Abraham? He said, we, he didn't say I, he said, we will come back to you. So that, that to me shows that Abraham had faith that God was going to take care of the offering, but he was still being obedient to God. So Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And it then came to a place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, he, and he bound Isaac his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked 
there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done these things and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessings, I will bless you and multiplying. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand and which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Okay, so you read that story. It's just kind of like a weird one. You're like, okay, <laughs> I guess God wants you to kill your kids. And then you see... No, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. That's not God's nature. Murder and death are not God's creation or nature. That is what happened when the fall came. So I'm going to read you now what the book of Jasher says about this incident. And the book of Jasher is mentioned in the Bible. For those of you that are too scared to read any other book besides what's in the Bible, I need you to know these this Bible. Let's talk about this is 66 books written by approximately 40 different authors, okay? People, I hear, take this Bible out of context so much, especially in the book of Revelations. John wrote that book, right? And he said nothing should be changed out of this book. He did not mean the whole Bible. He meant the book of Revelations that he wrote. Nothing should be changed, okay? So when, there's, when you actually take the time for yourself, sit down and read the Bible, you will get your highlighter out and highlight every single book that's mentioned in the Bible and you will c come up with tons. And if you do a little more research, because this enthralled me, why would they take books out of the Bible? You will find out in Ethiopia, they never removed any books and there's about 80. So that means 82, I think. I in, Again, Google it yourself. I'm not going to do it right now. So if we have all these books taken out of the Bible, they, for some reason, want to leave us with half of the message. And if you've ever been on the other side of that, where somebody's not telling you the whole truth, it kind of sucks because you can't do much when you don't have the whole truth. And I, I hate liars. I, I'm going to come right out and say, it. I cannot stand to be lied to. It is my number one pet peeve. If you are a liar, you cannot be trusted. It is, it is huge in my book. If you are not a, this is what my dad used to tell me. If you're not a person of your word, you're not good for nothing. And it's true because who cares if you have money and all the stuff, if you can't be trusted, all right, it's just, that's just the way I roll. And so when I started reading the other books in the Bible and I realized they want me confused, it made me just not trust the organization of religion. I think religion is awful. I hate it as well as I hate liars because religion is the reason Jesus got killed on a cross. Religion is the reason people are divided. Religion is the reason we are not strong as people who believe in Christ as Christians because we have not been taught our spiritual power. And I've been saying this a lot this week and I'm going to say it right now before I get going on this Abraham kick is we have not been told the things Jesus told us right? We, by the church, we've been told, oh, as Christians, you're going to become a victim, but don't worry, God will help you through all your problems. And the more that you become a Christian, the more attacked you're going to become by Satan. It makes people want to stay stuck. I realized that the other day. I'm like, 
you know, the church has made me want to feel stuck for a long time because if I progress and, you know, change my addictions or my things that I have over me, then Satan's going to attack me more. So I might as well just stay here in this lane. And it's, it's stupid. That's not what God wants for us. God told us so many cool things. And I'm going to read you a couple before I keep going with Abraham. Okay, I'm going to read this to you. It's out of the book of John. And I think a lot of people read the Bible but don't, like, understand how important what you just read is. So this is um, Jesus talking to the disciples. And he's basically saying, hey, I'm going to go to heaven. And they're like, well, we don't know. What are you talking about, you know? Um, And Jesus is like, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one's going to come to heaven except through me. If you really know me, you would know my father from now on. You do know him and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show you? Don't you believe that I am the father and the father is in me? The words that I speak are not of my own, but my father who lives in me does this work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or that, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What? Okay, that that little paragraph should blow your mind because one, it's saying that you're going to do greater works than Jesus and Jesus raised the dead. He healed the blind. He's the only one. There's been a lot of miracles in the world, but Jesus is the only one who's healed the blind and raised the dead. The only one. So to start to see things like that manifest... Instead of grieving somebody that just passed, you say, I, by the power of Jesus Christ, you will be resurrected right now. And it happens. And it's common and normal. Then the end will come. So right now, guys, roll up the rapture rug. Start reading your words. Start reading the Bible. Start getting really powerful in it. And get out of your religious spirits. Okay, I'm done with this little rant. We're going back to Abraham now. Uh My microphone just slipped. Okay. All right, so now I'm going to read you from the book of Jasher, which again is mentioned in the Bible several times. I just went off on why you should not get all religious spirit about reading these books because they are important. I also want to address real quick, and I don't want to offend the the Mormon population, but a lot of people say Joseph Smith was a prophet, and nothing he says correlates with anything in the Bible. So, you know, you really got to read the Bible to have a, a... whole, you know, if it said, as it said in the uh, Book of Mormon, or as it said by the prophet Joseph Smith, or whatever, then I might, might buy it. But his religion is almost bass backwards from what Jesus taught, you know, Jesus said, he will save you. Uh, You know, we can't, we have God living inside of us, but we're not going to become gods. I even had a Mormon that was leaving the religion tell me that it was so powerful for her to learn about Jesus and his, and his true divinity because she was always told she can't get to heaven unless she's married. And the more kids, the better. And then her husband will have his own little kingdom. I don't know what her role will be exactly. And then the, the other thing she was talking about that was really like freedom for her was those 
underwear they make them wear. They make them wear these like special underwear. You get like a name that you call each other in heaven because apparently you don't recognize. I don't know. It's just a strange religion. And it's not, uh, you know, just because someone says there's a prophet, there there's many false prophets. So the only way you're really going to know, and I don't think Mormons are bad. Please don't get me wrong. Like I do, I have heard there's a lot of, in the high up part of Mormonism, a lot of uh, warlock witchcraft stuff going on. And uh, the dark side knows it. But I think the lower end of it, which is just the average people that I grew up around, are just really good people. And they just want to do good works and they want God to love them. And they are constantly trying to do good. And I, and they have a good family dynamic. And I have no, I do, like, I hope I don't ever offend anybody with what I just said about, about that religion. And, you know, I could say things about all the religions. I really could. Like, same thing, Catholics. Let's just bring that up real quick, because when I moved to New Mexico, it was totally different than Idaho. Idaho was, there's a lot of Mormons. All the kids crossed the street every single day, went to a Mormon church, learned about them. It was like normal for a Mormon church to be across the street from every public school. Like it was normal. But then you move to New Mexico and it's not like that. There's not Mormon churches across the street from every school and it's more Catholic based. And I remember the first time I saw somebody put ashes on their forehead on Good Friday. I thought the girl had dirt on her head. I tried to wipe it off and she about knocked me out. So I had to learn the traditions of Catholics. And then I ended up marrying a Catholic. And I'll tell you what, the first few times I went to a Catholic church, I'm like, what? I had to leave the Christmas one because it was so long and I was getting anxiety sitting there. But at the end of the day, when I started reading the Bible, I was like, this is... (laughs) why are you going to preachers to confess one the bible says because of jesus we go right straight to god and then two what's up with this hell mary full of grace stuff because you're not supposed to be hailing no mary nowhere in the bible does it talk about that and then i i just feel like over the years everybody's been like oh i really don't like that about that religion so let me go ahead and change that or this guy said this so let's go ahead and go with that and this and that and instead of just going right to the word of god and letting god minister to you because he loves you and he wants to know you and he's there waiting and all you got to do is sit down and say god i want to get to know you too and next thing you know you're gonna have a beautiful friendship and you're gonna not feel like you're gonna fall short all the time i used to feel like i fell short all the time i used to feel like i was trying to earn god's love i used to feel like he didn't love me because i wasn't perfect and it's just the complete opposite he he loves the imperfect. He uses the imperfect. He picked the imperfect. I mean, he used murderers and, and um, people who cheated on their spouses and all kinds of people to, to do great things. He's using Donald Trump, for heaven's sakes, to change the whole country. There, there's a prophecy that I believe is not a false prophet at all. Kim Clements, if you've known anything about him, he is amazing. And he's passed since 2016. And he has told even up to Biden's name. I mean, it's crazy. He, he predicted two uh, presidencies. Trump will have two terms. Trump is uh, like compared to David in the Bible, um, according to the prophets. So, you know, God picks his people and he picked me to sit here and blab on this podcast about Abraham and the Bible and Jesus and and child sex trafficking to wake people the hell up to see what's going on in this world. You know, I'm not a perfect Christian. I swear I drink. 
I not perfect, but I uh, try every single day to be better than I was yesterday. And that's all I can do. And I do it knowing God loves me. And it's a great feeling. Okay. So back to Abraham. Father Abraham. So as I was telling you guys how the book of Jasher, one, you need to read it, but two, you need to understand how Isaac was a part of this whole thing. So I'm going to start reading you a little bit of this book and I'm in chapter 22 and I'm on the, where it says 42, cause you know, they didn't used to have verses in the Bible, but it makes it easier to be like, go to verse 42, but it w- wasn't written like that. So this is a conversation between Isaac and Ishmael, his brother. And it says, and when Isaac was 37 years old, so he's 37 when this whole ordeal goes down. Ishmael, his brother, was going about with him in the tent. And Ishmael boasted of himself to Isaac, saying, I was 13 years old when the Lord spoke to my father to circumcise us. And I did according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to my father. And I gave my soul unto the Lord, and I did not transgress his word, which he commanded my father. And Isaac answered Ishmael, saying, Why do you boast to me about this? about a little bit of thy flesh, which thou did take from your body concerning which the Lord commanded you as the Lord liveth, the God of my father, Abraham, the Lord should say unto my father, take now thy son, Isaac, and bring him up as an offering before me. I would not refrain from it, but I would joyfully accede to it. And the Lord heard the word that Isaac spoke because your words are powerful people. God spoke the world into existence with words. Your words are powerful. You create your world. Okay. So when he spoke, the Lord heard and the Lord heard the word Isaac spoke to Ishmael and it seemed good in the sight of the Lord. And he thought to try Abraham in this matter. Notice how it doesn't say he thought to try Isaac in this matter. He's trying Abraham, the dad, which I find very interesting. And that's the little things you need to notice in the Bible. And the day arrived when the sons of God came and placed themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with the sons of God before the Lord. And and this reminds me of the book of Job so much. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence come thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, "From From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. It doesn't say spinning around in a ball, by the way. And the Lord said to Satan, what is thy word to me according concerning all the children of the earth? And Satan answered the Lord and said, I've seen all the children of the earth who serve thee and remember thee when they require anything from thee. And when you give it to them, which they require, they sit at ease and they forsake you and remember you no more. It says thee, but I'm going to say you, um, how you, have you not seen Abraham, the son of Terah? Who, who at first had no children, and he served you, and he erected altars to you whenever he came. He brought up offerings upon them, and he proclaimed your name continually to all the children of the earth. And now that his son Isaac is born to him, he has forsaken you. He has made a great feast for all the inhabitants of the land, and the Lord he has forgotten. For admist, for admist all that he has done, he has brought you no offerings, neither burnt nor peace, nor either ox nor lamb nor goat of all that he killed on the day his son was weaned. Even from the time his son's birth till now, being 37, 
He built no altar before you, nor brought any offerings to you, for he saw that you did not give what he requested before you, and he therefore forsook you. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you thus considered my servant Abraham? For he is none like him upon the earth, and he is perfect and up, upright man before me, and one that fears God and avoids evil as I live. Where I say unto him, Bring up Isaac my son before me, he would not withhold him from me. Much more if I told him to bring up a burnt offering before me from his flock and herds. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Speak then now to Abraham as you have said, and thou will see whether or not he will transgress and cast aside your words. Ooh, so it's like a little battle in heaven, right? Things that go on in the spiritual that we don't even know, kind of driven by things that happen in the natural, like the words Isaac said. Okay, so God heard that Isaac was willing to be a, a sacrifice and he wants to now test Abraham and see if he's willing to bring his only son, much like God did with Jesus on the same mountain. God makes no, no zero mistakes with the people he uses. Plus, he knows Abraham's heart and he knows he's not going to let Isaac get burnt. And, and Abraham does, too, because Abraham knows God's heart. So I think he wasn't really even worried about it. But of course... When you're in the middle of a trial and you think you know the end, but you don't, you're still going through it, you, it's not easy because you're human. And I truly believe that's why Jesus came, so he could feel what we feel. So God would be, you know, we go through Jesus because Jesus is like, God, bro, I, I felt that too. You know, I know what they're feeling. God's like, I, it's no more. It exists no more to me. They ask for forgiveness. It's over. They're, they're forgiven. Just white as snow. I think it's amazing. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase here because I don't want to keep, you know, read you all these chapters. That's why you just got to go buy the book and read it yourself. Again, it's called the book of Jasher. That's what I call it. Some people call it something like something different. I can't remember what they call it, but I call it Jasher. Um, and it says, okay, so basically he, God goes and tries Abraham and Abraham says, okay, just like the Bible. It says, and he said, here I am. And he said, go take your son, just like the Bible said, land of Moriah, offer him as a burnt offering on the mountains. Abraham said within himself, how should I separate my son from Sarah, his mother, in order to bring him up for a burnt offering to the Lord? And Abraham came to the tent, sat before Sarah's wife, and he spoke to her these words. My son Isaac is grown up, and he has not for some time studied the service of his God. Now tomorrow I will go and bring him to Shem and Eber, his sons, and there he will learn the ways of the Lord, for they will teach him to know the Lord as well, to know what he prayeth continually before the Lord. He will answer him. Therefore, he will know the way of serving the Lord as God. And Sarah said, Thou hast spoken well. Go, my Lord, and do unto him as thou hast said, but remove him not a great distance from me. Neither let him remain there too long, for my soul is bound within his soul. So basically... Isaac's a mama's boy big time and Sarah is totally attached it's her only son she had him at an old age I can't even imagine I do not blame her um so they end up going and there's a few things that I think are really interesting on this journey and it's how Satan can manifest into different literal things so listen to this okay so we're at the part where Abraham has left everybody behind it's just him and Isaac they're getting to the top of the mountain and as they go, Satan appeared to Abraham as a figure of a very aged man, humble and contrite in spirit. And he approached Abraham and said to them, Art thou a silly or brutish that, how, that you go and do this thing this day to your only son? 
For God gave you a son in the later days in your old age, and you will go and slaughter him this day because he committed no violence? And will you cause the soul of your son to perish from the earth? Do you not know and understand that this thing cannot be from the Lord? For the Lord cannot do unto man such evil upon the earth. Say to him, go slaughter your child. And Abraham heard this and knew it was the word of Satan who endeavored to draw him aside from the way of the Lord. But Abraham would not hearken to the voice of Satan and Abraham rebuked him. So all you got to do is rebuke the evil son of a gun. And he went away. And there's another thing in the Bible that says there will be a time when we look upon Satan, who I believe is one of the many evil deities, and say, oh, wow, this is the moron we were scared of. Like, look at this little rat, you know? it's That's how we got to think of him. He's a little rat. Like, he's scared of us, really. Once we use the power of God, it squirms like a little rat. And Satan returned. Um... And came to, so he now is going to Isaac and he appeared to Isaac as a young man and he was comely, which means good looking and well fa- favored. And he approached Isaac and said to him, do you not understand that that silly old father bring you to slaughter you for this day? Not now, therefore, my son, do not listen or attend to him for he's silly old man. And let not thy precious soul and beautiful figure be lost from the earth. And Isaac heard this and said unto Abraham, Have you heard my father that which this man has spoken? Even thus has he spoken. So I guess he's telling Abraham what he said. And Abraham answered his son and said to him, Take heed of him and do not listen to his words or attend to him, for he is Satan, endeavoring to draw us aside this day from the commands of God. And Abraham still rebuked Satan, and Satan went from them both, seeing he could not prevail over them. And he hid himself from them, and he went and passed before the road. And he transformed himself into a large brook of water in the road. And Abraham and Isaac and his two young men, oh, so they're still with them. Sorry, I thought they had left already. Um, reached this place and they saw the brook large and powerful as mighty waters and they entered the brook and passed through it and the waters at first reached their lakes and they went deeper into the brook and the waters reached their necks and they were all terrified on account of the water and with witlist they were going over the brook Abraham recognized the place and he knew that there was no water there before And Abraham said to his son Isaac, I know this place in which there was no brook nor water. Now, therefore, this is Satan who does this to us, to draw us aside this day from the commands of God. And Abraham rebuked and said unto him, The Lord rebuke thee, Satan, be gone from us, for we go by the commands of God. And Satan was terrified, terrified. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Terrified at the voice of Abraham, and he went away from them, and the place again became dry land as it was at first. And Abraham went with Isaac toward the place God had told him. You guys, do you not see how important that is? Satan literally tried to drown them in the physical. (laughs) You know when people felt drowned right now with everything that's going on? There's so much Satan going on right now. Rebuke it. We have so much power. Rebuke it. In Jesus' name. It's the only way. It's the only way. I don't even know how people are doing it right now without it. Okay, so um, let's see. So they get to the place. um, They get to the mountain. Abraham said, uh, there's the mountain. Let's go. They get there. Um, 
same things as the Bible said, they leave everybody behind, which I thought they already had done, but they didn't yet. And it says, as they were going along, Isaac said, behold, I see the firewood and where then is the lamb that is to be the burnt offering before the Lord? And Abraham answered his son, Isaac, the Lord has made a choice of you, my son, to be the perfect burnt offering instead of the lamb. And Isaac said to his father, I will do that. The Lord spoke it to thee with joy and cheerfulness of heart. Okay, let me read that one more time because I didn't read that right. And Isaac said unto his father, I will do all that the Lord has spoken to you with joy and cheerfulness of heart. So now he knows and he's like, I'll do it. No problem. Okay. I will, and I'm thinking right now, do you think he's in the back of his head? He's like, oh crap. God heard what I said to my brother in the tent. Darn it. I do. Because how could you not? And Abraham again said to Isaac, his son, is there in my, your heart or thought or counsel concerning this, which is not proper? Tell me, my son, I pray you. O son, conceal it not for me. And Isaac answered his father Abraham and said unto him, O my father, as the Lord liveth and as the soul liveth, there is nothing in my heart to cause me to deviate either to the right or to the left from the word that has that he has spoken to you. Neither limb nor muscle has moved or stirred at this, nor is there in my heart any thought or evil counsel concerning this. But I am joyful and cheerful of heart in this matter. And I say, blessed is the Lord who has this day chosen me to be a burnt offering before him. And Abraham greatly rejoiced at the words of Isaac. And they went on and they came together to that place the Lord spoke of. And Abraham approached and built the altar in that place. And Abraham was weeping and Isaac took stones and mortar until they had finished building the altar. Can you imagine building that altar, doing, being obedient to what God said, getting through three of the devil's schemes and still not knowing how the God's going to do this, but knowing and having faith that he somehow isn't going to take your son. And if he does, he, he I mean, he told Abraham, you're going to have many, many kids, right? Well, how do you do that if the only kid you have passes on? And he says it's going to be through this kid, not Ishmael, this one. So, you know, you got to trust things that God has told you in the past, even though at the moment it might not look like God's working on your side. God always will be on your side, always. Even when you think it's something this big. This is a big deal. Lately on TikTok, they keep showing all these things like give me five more minutes and like parents who have lost their sweet babies. And I'm like, how do any parent survive or live through that? And if somebody out there listening has lived through that, I would love to interview you and just hear your testimony and your story and share it with the world if you're willing to do that. Because it's just reach out to me via my email, um, wakingupwithmel at gmail.com. Okay, so I'm going to skip through because... A lot of the story you guys have already heard, but I think this part's kind of crazy. It says that he took his son Isaac, he bound him and placed him upon the wood, which was upon the altar, to slay him for a burnt offering before the Lord. So both of them are willing here. It, ne neither one of them are fighting this. And Isaac said to his father, bind me securely and place me upon the altar, lest I should turn and move and break loose from the force of the knife upon my flesh and therefore profane the burnt offering. And Abraham did so. And Isaac still said to his father, Oh, my father, when you shall slay me and burn me for an offering, take with you that which shall remain of my ashes and bring it to Sarah, my mother, and say to her, This is the sweet smelling savor of Isaac, but do not tell her this if she sit near a well or upon any high place, lest she should cast her soul after me and die. 
And Abraham heard these words of Isaac, and he lifted up his voice and wept. And when Isaac spake these words, Abraham's tears gushed down upon Isaac, his son. And Isaac wept bitterly, and he said to his father, Hasten now, O my father, and do with me the will of the Lord our God, as he has commanded you. And the hearts of Abraham and Isaac rejoiced at this thing which the Lord had commanded them, but the eye wept bitterly while their heart rejoiced. And Abraham bound his son, and he placed him on the altar of wood, and Isaac stretched forth his neck upon the altar before his father. And Abraham stretched forth his hand to take the knife and slay his son as a burnt offering before the Lord. At this time, the angel of mercy came before the Lord and spake to him concerning Isaac, saying, O Lord, Thou art merciful and compassionate king over all that you have created in heaven and in earth, and you are su are you supporting them all? Give, give therefore ransom and redemption instead of your servant Isaac, and pity and have compassion upon Abraham and Isaac his son, who are this day performing your commands. Have you seen, O Lord, how Isaac the son of Abraham your servant has bound down to slaughter like an animal? Now therefore have pity, be aroused from them, O Lord." And at that time, the Lord appeared to Abraham and called to him from heaven and said unto him, Lay not a hand upon the lad. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God in performing this act and will not withhold your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes up and saw, and behold, a ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. That was the ram which the Lord God had created in the earth in the day he made the earth and heaven. For the Lord had prepared this ram from that day to be the burnt offering instead of Isaac. So that ram was there since the beginning of time, waiting for this incident on the mountain that Jesus was crucified on. Okay, guys, do we understand how cool God is? It's so amazing to me. It he Every time I read the Bible, it blows my mind. I've read this before and it still blows my mind. I hope your mind's blown with me out there. Okay, so... Um, it says, this part I think is crazy too, because Satan is always trying to stop what God's going to do, even though that's why I always pray, God, please let me fulfill my destiny because God has a destiny for each and every one of us. And Satan's constantly trying to be that river, all these problems, all this stuff. And we got to rebuke it. We got to do it. We got to rebuke it, rebuke it, rebuke it constantly until we know we're on the path God wants us to be on. Um, so this says that as the ram was advancing to Abraham, Satan caught a hold of him and entangled his horns in that thicket, that he might not advance to Abraham in order that Abraham might slay his son. So Satan's like, oh, there's that ram that God's going to give Abraham because Satan probably knew, you know, that God wasn't going to let this happen either. So he's trying to get them just to not listen to God and piss God off or something. I don't know. Or show God that they, Abraham doesn't love him as much as God thinks. I guess. And so then he then holds back the offering and Abraham doesn't see it in hopes that he'll, God will just be too late. He won't show up in time. God's always on time, Satan, you big old moron. So, um, yeah, they do, they end up doing uh, the lamb, but listen to this guys, Satan's not done with the story yet. And he's still, unfortunately not. Uh, done now. And now he's, everybody's giving him way more power than he should have. And that's why as Christians need to start rebuking that son of a gun instead of giving him more power and keep talking about the bad news that's going on in the world. Yes, it's going on, but we need to rebuke it instead of keep putting fire under it. 
Um, but Satan knew that he couldn't get to Abraham and Isaac, right? They, they, they won that war. So guess where he goes to Sarah, the mom. And he goes and says, guess what, Sarah? I think he goes as an old man. I'm pretty sure. Guess what? Your husband's up there killing your kid. Ha ha ha. And she's like so upset as any mom would be if, if I got word from some old man that my husband was doing that, I'd be pissed too. I'd be like, what? So she's crying. It says, and Sarah lifted up her voice. She wept. She cried on account of her son. She threw herself on the ground. She put dust on her head. She said, oh, my son Isaac, oh, this day that I have died instead of you. Again, watch your words, people. I hear a lot of people just trying to be cute and they're like, oh my God, I'm dead. Okay, one, you just said God and dead in the same sentence. Like, don't say that, guys. Not a good, not a good saying. I'd pick something like, wow, I'm alive. Or this is really, I don't know. I just find something else to say. I, I, words to me are more powerful than they've ever have been. I believe, you know, God created the world with his words, like I said, and we can really need to watch our tongues. So, um, she's sad. She's crying. She's like, I wish I would be the dead one. She continued to weep. It grieves me for this day. Oh, my son, Isaac, that I died this day instead. So she says it twice. And now I want to tell you a story real quick about my personal life. My grandfather, he wrote this book that I should share with you guys on a podcast someday called God's Arms Around Us. And it's a book about when he was in World War II by accident. Basically, he was a gold miner in the Philippines. War broke out overnight. He becomes a fugitive of war, running, 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 gets caught, concentration camps, death almost many, many times. And he talks about this time where my, and he has his kids and my grandma with him. Two kids, she's pregnant running for three years from the Japanese soldiers before they get caught and put in a concentration camp. Anywho, um, there's a time where they get malaria and the kids are like basically on death bed dying and there's no help to be found. There's no pills. There's no doctors. There's nothing. You're just there with, with prayers. That's all that you got. So my grandfather says this prayer and I always laugh at it and he probably laughs at me in heaven telling the story. But he says, dear God, give me their sickness and let them be healthy. Within a few minutes, the kids are healthy and he's on his deathbed. And I always think, why did he pray that prayer? Why didn't he say, God, let them be healed and not take it on himself? <laughs> and then I find myself sometimes praying like, uh, you know, give that pain to me instead of my kid or something. And then I'm like, wait, 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 never mind. Take it away from, but I don't want it either. Like take it away from both of us. So even little things like that, I think are important. Okay. I digress. Let's go back to, to the story. And I'm pretty much almost done with this, this podcast for today. Um, but we got to listen to what happens to Sarah, because I think a lot of people don't understand how she died and the book of Joshua tells us. So she's sad. She's weeping. Um, she, this is something she says, I have longed for you. I cried and prayed till I bury you at 90 years old. And now I've served, uh, this day for your knife and a fire and to be made an offering. So she's like, you know, how could this happen? I don't understand. And again, she's listening to Satan's words. So she should, but now she's going to God, I'll cry. But I console myself with my son being the word of the Lord. He did perform the command of God. Who can who can try, transgress the word of our God, whose hands is the soul of every living creature? Um, so I guess she's just like talking in her own head, right? Like, So now she's laying her head upon that, uh, some of her friends. She became still as a stone. She afterwards rose up 
making inquiries till she came to Hebron, and she inquired of all those who she met walking along the road, and no one can tell her what happened to her son. And then Satan comes to her again in the shape of an old man, and he came and stood before her and said to her, Guess what, Sarah? I was just kidding. I, didn't, I lied to you. Abraham didn't kill your kid. He's not dead. Ha, ha, ha. And when she heard this, the word, her joy was so exceedingly violent on account of her son that her soul went through with joy and she died. So she was so happy that her son really wasn't dead that she croaked. Whoa. So Abraham and Isaac get back from this journey and have to bury Sarah. Yeah. So things the Bible don't tell you, huh? The reason why you should read the book of Jasher is many. Um, there's also a cool story about Abraham when he was young and I might do that one next week. Every time I think I'm going to do a certain podcast for the next week, God takes me on a different journey. So I'm no longer going to say, Oh, and next week I'm going to do this because maybe I will, maybe I won't. Lately, Chris Cornell has been on my mind too, to do a podcast about him and the sex trafficking thing. Anyways, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for your truth and nothing but the truth because your truth will set us free. And I just pray that people pick up these books that are mentioned in the Bible and start to put these puzzle pieces together so we understand you, we understand your word, we understand why things happened, and not just that you're some weird, cruel God that wants to go kill everybody, but you're actually the complete opposite. You are life, you are love, you are the more abundance. And I just pray, Lord, in this time that we all get to know you better and understand you better. And most importantly, Lord, this week I had this conversation and you know the conversation because you know all things. But this person said, I do not believe in Jesus. And I said, I, you know, that's on you. But Lord, people who don't believe in you and your son, this earth is the closest to heaven they're going to ever get. And that is not your will. That is not your destiny for them. So I, Lord, I pray that they open up to the free gift of Jesus the fact that he died on the cross for all of us out of love, pure love. You are love. Oh, such love. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.